Hi, and welcome to Mousetrap. I'm Lisa, and joining me, I've got Sharpie and Steve. Hey, Lisa. Hey. Howdy, Lisa. Howdy, Sharpie. Poor Lisa is nursing a, uh, what would it, what a cold? Um, give a cold. It's another sinus infection. Oh, yuck. What the heck? Yuck, yuck, yuck. I don't understand it, but um, I haven't had a sinus infection in 10 years, and I have two in inside of five weeks. Oh, geez. Yep. So. Um, all right. So, konnichiwa. Nice accent. Welcome back, and Sharpie. Howdy. And howdy. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, Sharpie is back from his trip to the Orient. He and the boys went on an awesome lifetime adventure. Adventure of a lifetime. And I think today we're just going to give a broad overview. And then I think we're going to dig in deeper on other shows to specific aspects of the trip. It's yeah, it's it literally it's like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, oh, my gosh, just a a very, very quick overview. We had had an amazing time, uh, did so much, saw so much, had so many experiences um, it was, it was, it was fantastic. So, uh, I think what, I, what, what I want to do on this show is just kind of give a quick rundown of the, the planning process, uh, and then the itinerary that we did, uh, and then some of the, a few of the, the kind of more intricate details, uh, of, what what planning a trip like this go goes in what what goes into planning a trip like this okay so so uh, you know just for um consistency sake or or you know fluidity sake i'm going to mute my microphone and so steve's going to have to let me know if i'm talking on a muted microphone but we're going to be doing a little coughing over here and it's okay. going to be mostly the sharpie show anyway <laughs> <laughs> all right Go for it. Gotcha. So the planning for this trip started way back in October of 2021. Uh, I was at Disney with a friend of mine. Uh, He and some friends of his had gone to Japan and South Korea about a year and a half or so before the pandemic. Um. And we were just talking about international travel. I I had never traveled internationally other than with cruise, cruise ship travel. Um, So it all started with the question of if you were going to go to any of the international Disney parks, which one would you go to? And uh, the immediate answer was Tokyo Disneyland. Uh, Tokyo Disneyland is considered to be, uh, by many, many Disney fans, one of the uh, best Disney park experiences on the planet. Uh, and having this trip in my rearview mirror right now, holy cow, was that ever right? Uh, it was, first off, I never dreamed that I would go to Japan. Um, I've always really been fascinated by Japanese culture, uh, but I just never, th- like, I always thought that I would go to Europe would go to um, like the Middle East, maybe never thought I would go to Japan. Why? I don't know. Honestly, 
I, I can't put my finger on a reason why I never kind of dreamed that I would go to Japan. Uh, however, after that conversation, the, the question was, so if you could go, where, where would you go? Of course, the answer was Tokyo Disney. And then the question was, why haven't you gone? It's like, well, that's, that's a great question. Why haven't I gone? So that started the whole process of planning our trip to Japan. Um, so I, I took about four weeks to pull together a budget, kind of figure out exactly what it would cost, uh, and put together a savings plan. Because the most important thing, I did not want to have, did not want to have debt associated with the trip at all. Wanted to be able to pay for it up front and have have all that all that taken care of. So with that, I, I kind of figured out what the airfare price was, what Disney ticket prices were, hotel prices, currency exchange, kind of mapped all of that out uh, and, and kind of came up with, 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 with a round budget of roughly a, a little over $2,000 per person. So the, the, the trip total was in the ballpark of about 8,000. I mean, that that's for, for some people that's like, holy cow, that's a, a gigantic vacation budget for some people. That's, well, that's perfectly reasonable. Um, yeah. For so some, the, that's an annual budget. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, really it is that, that, that's kind of, uh, travel for a full year. Uh, of course there were four of us, me and the three boys. Um, I knew by tracking airfare that if I could get my airfare under or in the ballpark of about a thousand dollars per person, um, that, that would end up being about half of half of the budget for each person. So, and, and it ended up, uh, I was I was able to get our airfare for just slightly over nine hundred dollars per person, which for a, a twelve to thirteen hour flight is a pretty pretty good price tag uh, on on the budget end of things uh, to make that work. And then the second question is you you're gonna go go you're gonna spend that amount on airfare. How long are you gonna go for? So obviously the answer, initially was no less than seven days uh, just because you spend all that time getting there. You want to make sure you get your, uh, get, get your, get, money's, get your worth. money's worth out of the airfare. Um, and then as to when uh, the big hinge on this trip was not doing it in the summer. Japan can get very hot and humid in the summer. It is an Island country. Uh, it's a very large Island country, of course, uh, and there's a lot of inland there. However, it does get very hot and very humid. And of course, the majority of your major tourist attractions in Japan, you're going to find coastal. So, so therefore, you're sticking into that 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 hot, humid territory once you get into June, July, August, even even into September. So, spring break was the perfect opportunity to do it. Um. So as it worked out, the boys had a full week of spring break plus two days. So as the trip kind of planned out and as 
schedules kind of worked out. It worked out that they could be off for two additional days uh, with excused educational absence. So we ended up with a 10 day trip start to finish with actual with with nine days in Japan. So I, I think that's if, if anyone is planning a trip to Japan or, or has never considered planning a trip to Japan, but is now interested in planning a trip to Japan. I think nine day, nine to 10 days is a sweet spot. Uh, you could very easily spend months seeing everything, doing everything, having all the experiences. Uh, but for a first trip, I honestly, seven to 10 days is a good sweet spot of getting your feet on the ground seeing a lot and getting a feel for the, the culture and things of that nature. So we left out of Toronto, Canada. Uh, it's a, a five and a half to six hour drive for us uh, from North Central West Virginia up to Toronto. Uh, what that saved us was a connecting flight. Um, all of the airfare that I had priced out of the DC market airports was easily three to $700 more per person than what we paid uh, a flight out of Pittsburgh to Toronto to Tokyo added about $300 per person uh, to the trip. So when you factor in a budget savings of $1,200, a five and a half to six hour drive and a, and a, and a one night hotel stay on the front end was definitely our route to go, not only budget wise, but also to avoid connecting and the risk of missing a connection or baggage not making a connection, it was just a lot easier to make that trip. Uh, and sure enough, on the way back, I was very thankful that we did not have that connecting flight because our flight ended up being delayed about 40 to 60 minutes uh, because of a ground stoppage where the plane was coming from Vancouver to Tokyo and then Tokyo to Toronto. Uh, when, when it left Vancouver, there was a ground stoppage for weather. Uh, so our plane ended up being delayed. It, the, it got, the delay got lessened, then the delay increased and then it came back. So it was, it was kind of touch and go there, but we, we definitely would have missed our connecting flight coming back because, uh, where we would have had, had to have, have deplaned. And then our luggage would not have made the connection, even if we were able to make the connection. Uh, so I was ended up being very thankful that we skipped the connecting flight uh, and just drove straight and did a, did a, a straight flight. So um, flight there was 13 hours. Flight back was a little less than 12. Uh, so whenever you think about the time difference of 13 hours uh, in Tokyo, a uh, – a 9 a.m. time slot in Tokyo is a uh, 10 p.m. time, uh, Eastern Daylight Time. So whenever you factor out the the, the time difference, you, you're on a 13-hour time difference uh, from Eastern Daylight Time uh, to Tokyo. I like so your little comment on your return flight. What time did you leave and what time did you arrive? Oh, yeah, that that was we we left. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember exactly. We left Tokyo at about 4.30 and we got back in to Toronto at 3.30 the same day. <laughs> so 
So we did a little thing. time travel uh, where we left 4.30 p.m. on Friday and we got back into Toronto at 3.30 p.m. on Friday. So was, nice. Yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. Uh, and, and it definitely, definitely toys with your mind a little bit. But the Boeing Dreamliner, the lighting package makes an overnight flight of 12 to 13 hours very doable because it, it controls all of the dynamics of lighting. It fools your brain into thinking that it is dusk, it is night, it is morning, dawn, whole nine yards. It, it very much helped reduce uh, jet lag. Uh, when we arrived into Tokyo, we were tired, of course, because we, we had been traveling for, for 13 plus hours because the flight itself was 13 hours. Um, so we had arrived at the airport about three hours early. So whenever you factor all that in, it, it made for a very long day. But it was nighttime when we left there and it was evening. It was it was early afternoon when we left Toronto on the way there. So time wise, it made sense in the brain. Anyway, uh, so a very quick rundown of how I planned out the itinerary. We were not with a tour group. We were independent. Uh, important to note is just in October of 2022, did, did Japan lift its visa requirements surrounding COVID-19 to where independent travelers can come and go during uh, the height of the pandemic and even up to October 2022, you had to be traveling with a registered tour group uh, as as part – you had to come in and stay with a tour group for the entire time. So th- that was kind of the other moving factor uh, of this trip until October. I wasn't even 100% sure we were going to be able to go because – of the of the the tour restriction requirement but fortunately that was lifted so what i did is i kind of did a very long weekend of youtube videos with the boys <laughs> nice and said okay we're going to japan let's watch a bunch of travel videos and let's make a long list of the things that we know we want to do and we invested over a weekend. We probably watched, I'm going to say eight, eight to 10 hours of Japan travel videos. Uh, they love TV. They love video, of course. So they had no problem with that. So I started keeping kind of a running list of the things that are like, Oh, that's really cool. I really want to do that. I really want to do that. Really want to do that. So By the time all was said and done, we had a list of about nine things that we absolutely wanted to do while we were in Japan. So from there, I started mapping out exactly where we were going to go. Our arrival day, uh, it it took – I'm going to say it probably took almost four hours in the airport uh, between deplaning, going through customs, going through immigration – uh, picking up our JR rail pass, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. Uh, and then picking up our Wi-Fi hotspot. 
Uh, I opted to rent a Wi-Fi hotspot and data plan other rather than doing an eSIM in my phone. Uh, so that way we had Wi-Fi no matter where we were and the boys could easily access it as well to, to text and message home and send photos and all that good stuff. So, uh, so, so that worked out, that worked out very well. But by the time we, we collected all of that, got ourselves together in the airport, um, we were off on a train into Tokyo, I want to say by like 7.30, if I remember correctly. Um, so we, we got into Tokyo after dark that first evening, uh, opted to spend a little bit of time in uh, Shibuya. If you've ever seen the giant... Cross yeah, exactly. If you've ever seen the giant crossing, that's just absolute chaos. Where oh, it's with like the diagonals. I'm sorry. With the diagonals. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All yes. the diagonal crossings, the block to block crossings, a, 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 a thousand people plus in motion all at once. Uh, so we literally popped up out of the subway with that a block away. So we spent probably about two hours just kind of walking the streets, getting a little familiar, uh, had a few toiletry items and things like that that we needed to pick up. Went to Don Quixote. We can definitely talk more about Don Quixote. It is a store. It is crazy. Highly encourage you to YouTube it. It is as though dollar... Dollar Tree, Dollar General, Family Dollar, Walmart, Target, and the regional chain that we have here is, is called Ollie's uh, big lots, all of those put together in a gigantic chaotic. It's just nuts anyway. So wanted to have that experience too. Uh, but so, so we ended up from there making our way to our hotel, uh, checked into the hotel and kind of crashed for that evening, just relaxed a little little for a couple hours before bedtime uh and just kind of got adjusted to the time uh so the our first night we spent in Tokyo then the next day we got up got all of our stuff together kind of a slow morning made our way to Tokyo station to board a train to Hiroshima uh, that's where we were kind of starting our sightseeing officially. Uh, so we did one night in Hiroshima. We did two nights in Osaka. We did. And it's interesting uh, that you're saying these differently than a lot of people. Hiroshima um, and what was the, the last one you said? Osaka. Osaka. I, I had always yeah. thought that it was Osaka. But that that would be kind of be more of 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 a Irish pronunciation. Um, I, I I developed an appreciation for the Japanese language, um, and and I'm pretty sure I'm saying it right. I think I am. That's that. I but anyway, that yeah. was pretty so squeaky it, for confidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then so so while we were there, we did two separate day trips. Uh, we did a day trip to Nara, 
Uh, if you Nara is so cool, there there is a, a giant park. There are sacred deer in the park, uh, and the deer will basically they, they bow to you for like a a bran or wheat cracker. So it's kind of cool. Everyone goes to feed the deer in Nara. Um, I could very easily spend two to three days in Nara just because it th- there's so much more to see and do there. Uh, but that that's 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 just kind of what we kind of what we did. Uh, but from from Nara, we went to Kyoto um, and then I'll, I'll get more into kind of the details of all, all the stuff that we we did did in Kyoto in a, in a future show. But then we, we, we ended the night going back to our hotel in Osaka and then the next morning got up. That was Easter morning. Uh, we went to mass and uh, then kind of spent the afternoon. We went to a zoo. Uh, and we went to the Cup Noodle Factory and Museum. Uh, that was quite interesting. The boys love ramen. They love what, what we call here in the U.S. cup of noodles. Uh, but in Japan, it is called cup noodle. Uh, so went there, saw how those were made, learned the history of the company. Uh, that it was actually founded in Osaka. So we went went to the factory tour and we made our own custom cup of cup noodle so that was fun um but th- but then ma- made our way back uh to uh kind of central osaka and then boarded the train back to to to, to tokyo um three nights in tokyo we were in the shinjuku neighborhood which is really awesome uh just so much to see so much to do uh, Tokyo is a lot like New York City in, in, in terms of size. Tokyo is the largest metropolitan area on the planet. So it is just massive, wow. sprawling lights, lights at nighttime as far as the eye can see, daytime buildings as far as the eye can see. Um, we did, we did do the, uh, the Sky Tower, uh, that was really cool. Um, super, super high up. Largest freestanding tower on the face of the earth. It's really awesome. Uh, and then uh, we made our way, or after that third night, we made our way to Tokyo Disneyland. The Tokyo Disneyland. Resort. The coolest thing about the Tokyo Disneyland Resort uh, and I learned all of this in in planning the trip and kind of figuring out exactly uh, exactly how to do Disney in a foreign country. Uh, I, know, I know quite I know quite, quite a few of our listeners have done uh, Disneyland Paris, and a, a few of our listeners have done uh, Tokyo Disneyland. But the thing to remember is that t- the Tokyo Disneyland Resort opened in 1983. So it is one year younger than me. It is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. Uh, We were actually there. uh, The week that we were there is when the 40th anniversary celebration started. So we got to see all the 40th anniversary decorations. uh, And it's important to note that our largest Disney Mecca here in the U.S., Walt Disney World, celebrated its 
50th anniversary. So that seems so off. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it, a lot of the Tokyo Disney resort, a lot of Tokyo Disneyland, uh, because remember there, there are two parks at the Tokyo Disney resort. There's Tokyo Disney sea, uh, and Tokyo Disneyland. A lot of Tokyo Disneyland is a copy paste of the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. Layout wise, size wise, the castle is very similar. Um, However, it is a much larger park land wise. Uh, Whenever you think about the the hub area at, at, at the, the Magic Kingdom Walt Disney World, the hub area at Tokyo Disneyland is at least one and a half times the size. That makes it nice. It does. It's it's it, it is and it's not only wider, mm-hmm. but it is like the distance from the end of Main Street to the front of the castle is much much further. So not only is it is it wider, but it is also deeper. So when it comes time for the fireworks, you have tons of room. Yeah. And stepping off of the end of Main Street USA toward the castle does not feel as as out of place as the giant Cinderella <laughs> castle at the end of Main Street USA at Walt Disney World. But then, of course, that pales in comparison to the difference that you experience at Disneyland, where Sleeping Beauty Castle is much, much smaller at the end of Main Street. Yeah. And isn't nearly as dominant. Um, Um, Where's the main building? (laughs) Yeah, really. I think that and I think that's what they were going for with the distance from the end of Main Street was reducing the feel of the size of the castle from the main street experience and their main street is fully covered. So it has a glass, um, what what I would call a solarium roof over all of the main street area. Uh, so one, you're out of the weather, but two, you have a much smaller kind of more intimate main street feel, which was really cool. Um, yeah, that's so, a good good addition. They so they took the best from Disneyland, Disney World, and they just keep improving as they keep kept opening parks. Yeah, but yep, it was forty absolutely. years ago. Yeah, it was so only it was ten the, years after. Yeah, so it was yeah. after Disneyland and Disney World. That's so. So weird. then they made changes, and then I know Disneyland Paris. I think is celebrating their thirtieth, and then they did the covered uh, arcades on mm-hmm. it's kind of backstage. What would be backstage on Disney World on both sides? Um, so they have the open main street, but then covered on the left and right. So that's cool. And the other important thing to remember is anytime I'm talking about differences between the parks is the Tokyo Disney resort is not owned or operated by the Walt Disney company. Process that for just a minute because the the arrangement that was made mind you this was 10 years after the Walt Disney World Resort opened 
there, there, there's some some broad speculation that Disney itself could never have bankrolled the Tokyo Disney Resort at the time that it opened because of the growth and kind of growing pains that the Walt Disney World Resort was experiencing uh, in the years immediately following the opening of the Walt Disney World Resort and really kind of getting their feet for that second park experience because for so many decades it had just been the Disneyland Resort in Anaheim. So when you start to look at how the Tokyo Disney Resort kind of grew out of that, you can start to see what happened with the growth of the Tokyo Disney Resort and the owner ownership and operation of the Oriental Land Company. So the Oriental Land Company is a Japanese tourism and leisure subsidiary of the Keisei Electric Railway Company, which operates a lot of the trains in Japan. So you're looking at a company that has real estate segments, but they also they operate theme parks, hotels, and other businesses like the railway which I, I could do an entire episode just on the Japanese railway systems because it's so fascinating. Um, but that company was founded in 1960. So when you think about what it did from 1960 until the early 1980s, it built a, a very vast train system across Japan. Um, and then along comes the Tokyo Disney Resort opportunity. Again, this is the only international Disney park that is not owned or operated by the Walt Disney Company. The Oriental Land Company pays leasing and usage right uh, kind of kind of contract wise for intellectual property. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, they'd partner directly with the Disney company, Walt Disney Imagineering, uh, to develop new rides, attractions, experiences, uh, resorts, all of that. So, so that, that is, so when, when I, when I'm talking about how different the Disney parks experience is, it's important to draw the parallel between this is a separate company operating a Disney park versus this is the Walt Disney team Anaheim team Orlando decision tree, executive funding and all of that. So, so anytime I'm making those comparisons, it's important to remember that the Tokyo Disney resort is a completely a mouse of a different color. <laughs> Uh-huh. Exactly. So say for instance, all of the technology assets that are in place in the US parks, uh specifically looking at uh like resort operations, hotel check-in, the My Disney Experience app, 
all of that you're not going to find at the Tokyo Disney Resort. Um, when you check in at the Tokyo Disney Resort, you still complete a paper registration form. Wow. Yes, you you've <laughs> reserved I've reserved that hotel online. So they have all of that information electronically. However, all of their room assets are allocated once the guest checks in via paper form. So I'm not going to get too much into that. I'm going get, to get more into that later and, and how that impacts. Uh, but one major difference that I, I, I really want to spell out, like in this episode, is when I checked in at about 8.30 a.m., uh, they did the full check-in process and they gave me a voucher to come back and pick up my room keys. Uh, I want to say it was after it's like either four or four 30, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can come back to the front desk. You need this voucher to exchange it for your room keys. However, when I checked in, I was assigned a room number. So I knew what my room number was going to be, yeah. but I just didn't have a key to it. When I checked in, and, and traded my voucher for my room key. My bags were already in my room. Well, that's nice. That was wow. like, wow, that's spectacular. Yeah, they won't. They that won't do that. happen at Walt Disney World. No, because they, the bellmen are in a tip position and they need to make sure they have an opportunity to get a tip. Yeah. Unless, it, unless it was with. Magical but Express. They used to, yeah. Well, with Magical Express, they the Bellman got a guaranteed tip through that setup, so they would put the the luggage in the room. Anyway, interesting. Yeah. That's cool. So hmm. get into the room. Luggage is already there. Uh we have complimentary bottled water in our room uh, fridge. Nice. Oh, already in the fridge. Already in the fridge. Uh, there was one bottle on top of the mm -hmm. of the the counter area where the fridge was, uh, kind of, and it, it kind of explained that that you have more available in the fridge, and it made sure to say that it was complimentary. Uh, the other thing is we have pajamas. What? Yes. How does that work? There, there were pajamas in the dresser drawer and, and, and they leave all of their drawers open during check-in. So that way, you know, you know, what's empty, you know, what's there. Hmm. Uh, like the drawers on the vanity in the bathroom were open. So you knew what was in those. Uh, the soap, shampoo, like the, the body wash, shampoo and conditioner were in huge bottles in the shower. Mm not bolted to the wall. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, there were toothbrush kits. Now this is considered toothbrush, like toothpaste a, floss. Yeah. Is this considered a deluxe? If you compare it to a Disney world, we stayed at the, at the Tokyo Disneyland resort, mm -hmm. uh, which, which ironically was not the first Disney property, D Disney hotel property there. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that, that's kind of important to note it is that it was built a little bit later, but it is very much in the style of the grand Floridian mm -hmm. era 
kind of Victorian style. Uh, it is it is one of the deluxe resorts. Um, and the the experience there was just completely different. Yeah. Um, the like the, a, a lot more detail in the rooms, uh, a lot more architectural detail in the rooms. Uh, we had a split bath where the toilet was in one room. The sh- like the the vanity was in the middle area and then the shower and tub were in a separate room. So mm. really, you could very easily have three people getting ready at once in that room because of the way it was it was arranged. Uh, and it was a very traditional Japanese bath ser- scenario where you have the shower and you have a tub. Uh, the shower is outside the tub because the thought um, a, a very common practice in Japan is that you will shower and then you will soak and t- take a, a, a long soak in the tub. Uh, that's very, very common in Japan. The other thing that you will find a lot in Japan are bidets. Every toilet, whether it was a hole in the wall sushi joint uh, in Nara or the Tokyo Disneyland Resort, the toilet seat was heated. Oh, very nice. You had a bidet. Yep. You had like fancy flush features. It yeah. was just really incredible. <laughs> I uh, just, I still, I'm like, wow, my, 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 my rear end got very accustomed to having a heated <laughs> toilet seat. Nice. It was, it was lovely. <laughs> you don't get that, that shock and jolt of a cold toilet seat. All right. I'll send you a link from Amazon. We'll get you hooked up. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. The, the boys were like, dad, you're going to have to get one of these. This, this just has to happen. I was like, we'll see about that. But yeah. So, so I mean, just like I said, a, a, a kind of a very brief rundown of our yeah. overarching experience in this episode. Uh, and we'll, I'll get a lot more into the different things that we saw, different things that we plan to do, uh, navigating the train system, which is beyond incredible. Japanese trains are not late. They are not late. It's nice. Yeah. They look amazing when you look at the way they're designed and I've just seen some brief videos that look just, and they look clean. They're fast. They're efficient. They're yeah. clean. The, the whole experience was pleasant. It yeah. was just, it was fantastic. And like I said earlier, we did the JR pass, mm-hmm. um, which gives you access to most of the trains in Japan, not all of the trains in Japan, because there are multiple rail operators within the country. Um, but yeah, so, so that, that was, that, that was kind of our that kind of quick rundown of our experience. Right. Definitely be getting into more details. In future episodes. So how was your confidence level going into this? Um, confidence. I was a seven out of 10. Um, there, there were, there were some def- things that I was definitely a little on the hesitant side about. I was a little afraid of the language barrier. I was a little afraid of cultural and custom norms. Uh, but all of that very quickly resolved. Uh, it just as an example, all of the train announcements are in J- Japanese and English. All of the train signage is in Japanese and English. Uh, we even navigated, we even used like a, a city bus 
uh, in one of when one of the locations that we visited. Um, very easily, uh, anyone who has ever thought about going but has hesitancies about cultural customs and norms and communication uh, as far as a barrier with English, you, you you will have a very easy time transitioning into Japanese culture. It is, it's wonderful. Uh, the hospitality is fantastic. Everyone is so friendly. Uh, the Disney parks experience was phenomenal. Uh, the longest we waited for anything was 45 minutes. And that was the big e-ticket attraction wow. at Tokyo Disney Sea. Yeah. The longest we waited for anything at Tokyo Disneyland was 30 minutes. Uh, and that was Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And once we got in line, the line did not stop moving. Well, that's nice. Like they they load and unload their attractions very efficiently. Uh, I experienced a lot of Disney magic that I haven't really seen in the U.S. parks in a long time. Um, technology things that that are incorporated into some of the new attractions that just leave you going, wait, how did that just happen? That was magic. Like it, it, it was amazing. Truly amazing. The Beauty and the Beast attraction at Disneyland is so cool. No, I think, is so, that the one that, so cool. did it just open, like literally just open, or is that one that's been there a while? Because I know there were some things that are supposed to just open, but they might be in a few months. It's, it's been within the last, I want to say it's been. It's been a while. Yeah. All right. I know they've got some new attractions opening, but I think it might be in a couple months that those. Which are I can't I can't remember, but that it sounded it seemed like more Fantasyland type attractions were opening up last time I checked. Yeah, cool. All right, so the next show, next time we're going to talk all about Tokyo Disneyland. Yep. All right. That's going to be cool. In all depth. Right. All right, so we got to wrap this up quick because I want to okay. I want to get moving. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right, so we're going to wrap up the show. I'd like to thank Pixie Vacations for sponsoring the podcast. If you have comments or questions for us, you can send those to us at comments at mousechat.net. Thanks so much for listening. Please join us again next time on Mouse Chat.